Hello and welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Uh, my name is Rebecca Hayden and I'm here with Luis Eduardo Luna. Uh, say hello, Luis. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and uh, Luis mm. has over 30 years of experience with ayahuasca in various contexts as an anthropologist with indigenous groups and among urban and rural ayahuascaros in Peru and Colombia and uh, Brazil, and, um, and all of them use ayahuasca as a sacrament. He also co-authored a book called Ayahuasca Reader, uh, Encounters with the Amazon's uh, Sacred Vine, and along with uh, Stephen White. And uh, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Um, okay. And as... And as you know, um, the reason why I, I learned of you and your work was because I read an article that you wrote on Graham Hancock's website called um, Ayahuasca and the Concept of Reality. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Long time ago. <laughs> right. But I just discovered it. So for me, it was new. And, uh, and lately... Um, what I wanted to do on the show is to start to discuss um, this concept of reality because, as you know, when we experience ayahuasca, um, <clears throat> many of us receive, we receive some messages and insights that allow us to view reality in a different way. And, um, and I think that, you know, as you know, uh, what we like to do is discuss after ayahuasca and how our lives are changing and, and integration and issues around integration. And I think that many people come back scratching their heads going, wow, <laughs> you know, um, the way that I saw life before and the way that I see it afterwards is very different. Um, yes, it, it, is a, it is a discovery that there is something else than the usual, <laughs> The usual perception or the usual conception we have of reality, or the reality that we have learned, you know, that it's out there through our our education and and what our parents say, what everybody says, you know, it seems like reality is something quite clear, but it is not at all clear, especially when you have such experiences. Right, and and it's it's variable, <laughs> like. Um, you were mentioning about how um, it's good that you mentioned the beliefs because um, how that plays into what we experience as reality. Um, you had used an example of some of these tribes um, that use ayahuasca that have, you know, rich traditions, shamanic traditions. Um, you know, they experience reality in a way that, that we find hard to comprehend, such as, you know, the shaman shape-shifting into an animal. Yeah, well, you know, yes, Amazonian societies, so, as well as societies in many other parts of the world, they have an animistic conception that we are not the only persons, we are not the only people here on this planet. Uh, we are in between uh, an intelligent uh, planet full of other people, persona, plants, animals, and as well as winds, uh, meteorological phenomena, mountains, lakes, rivers, they all are people. So it is a completely different picture of the world, you know, because in, in our normal Western conception of the world, we are just the peak of 
of creation. You know, of course, the the biblical story, the Christian story, has a strong influence in us, as well as the Greek Greek way of seeing things. And for Aristoteles as well, we are the top. You know, below are the animals, and then the plants, and then and then the minerals and so on. But for Amazonian people and many other traditional people around the world, this is not the case. We are some some people among other people, and so we have a completely different kind of epistemology. So it it is we are talking about a relational epistemology. You are in touch with other people who are who are and you are exchanging information with that other people you know, in one way or another. So in one of the ways, you know, in one of the ways, you know, what the shamans use in order to get to know to the other is through transformation, which is, of course, is a kind of cognitive transformation in which you are able somehow to tap into the, into the, the consciousness, let's say, or into the mind, you know, <laughs> of uh, or, or the way other other organs perceive the world. So you become that, and then you see the world from within. You know, mm-hmm. it can be a jaguar, it can be a fish, it can be a bird, it can be anything. You know, so it is a completely different. Is it? It is uh, learning through transformation, not learning through. Um, uh, observation, um, um, uh, putting pieces apart and going to the constituents, like it is in our way of uh, Western way of thinking. Yeah. Um, so many times we do have that opportunity in ayahuasca ceremonies where we are we we are given an opportunity to experience something through someone else all for the purpose of you know learning about our relationship with that person this has happened to many of us um yes that's true. Mm-hmm. but that you know the whole idea that uh that people will experience um as reality something so dramatic as a person changing into an animal and you know the way that they speak of it, it's not as a vision or as a dream this is their reality day to day. Is that what you yeah, experienced? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I just wonder, you know, what kind of reality we are talking. You know, of course, uh, me to too. <laughs> physical transformation, you know, into a jaguar. You know, that, that's quite a transformation. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, but, but you can perceive, perceive the world and yourself as a jaguar. I think that, that is possible. You know. I know, I know friends who have experienced, you know, even, you know, anthropologists, you know, <laughs> educated people, not, not simply the, the, you know, we, we can always say, okay, well, that's what the Indians say, or this is what the mestizos say. No, no, it, this is what also people, you know, highly educated people who have had experiences, have, some of them have had such experiences, including myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the experiences that I've had since ayahuasca, uh, you know, completely blow out of the water beliefs I had before. So <laughs> it, it yeah, makes yeah. you, it, it really opens you up to these possibilities and, um, yes. and, and changes. What I think is, is more about cognitive possibilities, you know, that we are able to, you know, to, to get to know what is around us and what it is inside us in a different way. So there are other possibilities, you know, of learning about the world. Yeah, and, and I believe that this is a, a tremendous 
um, brings about tremendous opportunities because it opens us up to the possibilities that exist, um, you know, beyond what we have been led to believe early in life. So these tribes grow up believing about all of these magical possibilities. And many of us who grew up with Western education and, and belief systems, this is a very new thing. And, and it opens up all kinds of possibilities for ourselves and our lives. And it's certainly to strengthen relationships when we start to open up to seeing things from other people's perspective, right? You know, but, but the funny thing is that we all, all, grew up as animists. And, and in fact, uh, in our education, I mean, when we, you know, you have experience, I have experience, nearly everybody have experience, you know, uh, 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 listening to fairy tales and we, right. you know, the people communicate with the frog or with the fish or with the bird and all this. This is all in, you know, it is, it is experience as real as, as, as children until one day, suddenly they tell us, no, this is just fantasy. Santa Claus right. doesn't exist. All this is just rubbish, you know. And then you have to go through the to the trauma of saying, "Okay, my goodness, all of this." They told me they were just lies. Yeah, it was not true. And then we grow up, you know, into, into very this a very very rigid way of seeing the world. And then you have experiences with ayahuasca. And say, "Oh, wow, yeah, it's all like." Like it was, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is in a way, it is like re-entering, going back, you know, to yeah. what we all experience as children, as children. Absolutely. Um, it, there's a lot revealed through folk tales that I can see now um, that I relate to even a lot more than I may have as a child because, you know, even children, once they're introduced to school, they'll probably see a very vast difference between, you know, what they're learning in school and the world of fantasy that they were introduced to through these stories. But I think that they all came out of experiences like these where someone went beyond, you know, what right. is believed to be possible. Yeah. And, and, and even in this, in this very rational Western way of seeing the world, still fantasies are sneaking in. I mean, look at the success of Avatar or Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Batman, of, all these are, you know, are the mystic figures, you know. It's all yes. there. It's all, we are surrounded. We love these stories, you know. And, and, and so it is part of us. It is part of being human. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah. We are surrounded by all these. And these are, we put it as fantasies. But then you are reduced in fantasy to something which is not real. But the yes. Fantasy. Aria, as sure. well, because we are experiencing the fantasies the same way that we experience the, the world around us. Yeah, um, you know, this is something that I had to really come to terms with very quickly when I got back from my first experience in Peru, because um, as, as often happens with people, uh, I had this dialogue, you know, with ayahuasca during my experiences. And for me, the dialogue just continued. So I came home and the dialogue was still happening and I had to really very quickly get a grip on, you know, <laughs> what's happening? Am I going crazy? And I had to reevaluate everything I ever believed about what was possible because I was continually and still am, you know, in communion with this spirit, higher consciousness, whatever it is you want to call it. So yes. I started to look at how we evaluate what's credible and I started to realize and I, I did you know some 
basic investigation into, you know, what do these words really mean, reality and credibility and all this stuff. And when you do that deep dive into our history and how we, uh, you know, what, what, how we created those words and the meaning of them, you know, you, you quickly realize that, uh, well, we made it all up. <laughs> and um, when we talk we about... We yeah, we insist that we are alone, that we are not alone. <laughs> yeah, and, and when we created, like when I look at the uh, descriptions of these words and what their meaning are, like uh, credibility and reality, there's a tremendous negative bent um, when we talk about reality. So if something is not as positive, we will call that reality. We will be more likely to believe it. And if something's positive, like overly positive, we are likely to refer to that as fantasy. And so what does that say about humanity and our, our, our worldview, right? It's not a very positive one. <laughs> the thing is that we are still the product of the way Descartes divided the world, you know, is in two, you know, rex cogitans, which is the thinking mind, and rex extensa, which you can measure. And at the end, science is about measuring things, you know. If you mm -hmm. cannot measure, if you cannot replicate, it doesn't exist, you know. It's not real. The only reality behind this kind of mechanistic philosophy, it is that, you know, you only what you can measure is real. Fantasy is, you know, Rex Cogitans, that is the, okay, is the realm of poetry, of, okay, music. Well, music is in between because... Yeah. <laughs> It is, it is, you know, it is measurable. I mean, in fact, music is, 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 is measurement mm -hmm. you know, and, and so on. But okay, so, but, but no, I think that and that's something that I have been thinking about. And, and I don't know, I, I just wrote recently a, 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 an essay, which is coming out in one of the, in, in the book by Monica Galliano and, and others. It's, called, it's going to be called The Mind of Plants. Oh, and I wow. just wrote about ayahuasca. Then it's my part, but there would be other other authors writing about different plants, not only psychotropic plants, but plants, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so. And one of the things that I, I was thinking is that okay, Descartes made this division: rex cogita, cogitans, rex extensa. But I think that there is something in between mm -hmm. these two, you know, and it is a world which. It is not measurable because, uh, you know, but it's real, you know, and well, it is not completely us, but it is something inter, you know, um, um, interfering, oh, no, no, interfering, uh, something um, uh, uh, interfacing our own um, uh, um, self. Mm -hmm. So, but, but it is not us, it is not it, it is not out there as an objective um, something that you can measure, you can somehow objectify, but it is the result, it's like an interface. And that interface makes this other, this other, which I call it Rex Fantastica, just to put it in the name, you know. <laughs> That's which, is real, which is real, you know, but it simply is not that. This is a very strong division between the two. And yeah, all right. So, yeah, I mean, I, everything ayahuasca... Uh, you can well imagine I had tons of questions when I realized I had this ongoing dialogue. And a lot of the questions had to do with this very issue of reality. And in fact, my very first question for ayahuasca was that, you know, um, what's the nature of reality? And the response was reality is flexible. 
and everything that I've learned <laughs> since and all of the focus was on me, my thoughts, my behavior, my beliefs, um, all of my state, you know, because she said reality is due to your reality is due to your state. So what I started to understand about the world is that it is very responsive, just like the plants we know from our own ayahuasca experiences, whatever state you're in, when you go into the medicine, you're going to be responded to um, according to your, what state you're in. And I think what, yes. you know, this teaching that was coming through was that's the way the world is. That's the experience you're having every day is everybody, the whole world is responding to where you're at, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. To you and everything. Yes, exactly. It's in a continuous flux, you know? Yes, in flux. Did she even use that word? And then there's this responsiveness. So we have a relationship with everything around us. So just as you were saying earlier, you know, the wind, the, the earth, everything, even things we regard as just, you know, strictly material, we have a relationship with it. Okay, so perhaps what ayahuasca does and, and, and other secular plants is that then, then you become aware of this flux. Then you, mm -hmm. begin, you begin to see that that the normal limits that we put to everything are mm -hmm. constructs, you know? Yes. Cultural constructs, historical constructs. And then you take out and then suddenly everything becomes more relational. When I was talking about the, the animistic way of the view, you know, it's a, epistemolog it's a relational epistemology. Everything is related, everything in flux, everything in, in connection. And of course, these people, you know, who are extremely sensitive for, for the first, they have, they are far beyond us, you know, in terms of senses, you know. I, 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 it is difficult to, to believe, you know, but when you are with indigenous people, they sense differently, much more than we do. They see better, <laughs> they see, they see within, you know, they, they, they are able to, to, uh, to pick up details. They, they are uh, able to see patterns very quick, quick uh, very clearly. Mm -hmm. They hear better. <laughs> I have been in, in, in the forest and suddenly the Indian said, oh, there is a boat coming and I don't hear anything at all. And after several minutes, I begin to hear, mm, <laughs> really? So he was hearing it. I didn't, I was not, you know, my ears were not able to capture that. And as well, you know, and, 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 and the smell and everything. So, so they, they are in an absolutely deeper in, in, in connection with the natural world, the, the environment. Therefore, they are more able to perceive this kind of interface, flux between things, you know. Right. Especially so do you... even more with, with sacred plants, yeah. So do you think that that was um, strictly a hearing thing? Or do you think that there is some other sense that we're talking about here, you know, such as intuition, this relationship that goes beyond what we can measure potentially? Well, I mean, in this case, I, th I think that they are simply able to hear better, you know. Really? And, I and wonder I, about that. And I know that. also that, pardon me? I wonder about that. I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I don't doubt that they have superior hearing and attention. I mean, look at how we're inundated in the Western world. And that, I, I'm sure, does damage to our sensitivities in that respect and, and all of the senses. But, you know, I, I also think well, that there's I mean, something I else going on there, too. I was referring to this specific connection, uh, situation. A situation, yeah. A, you know, he's, he's a boat coming. I think that he, he's able to hear it, you know. Is yeah. It, you know, simply because they have trained, you know, they are living in a, in a situation in which 
when this kind of sounds are peculiar, very different. Yes, it'll stand out, so, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, um, do you start to see the possibilities of also us being able to pick up on on things like that, that that other sense that we, um, you know, don't really talk about in scientific circles as much? You know, the possibility of intuition and and that. I, I, I you know. I would like, for instance, to compare us with plants, you know, um, plants, <laughs> which Aristotle put as inferior because they are not able to move. They are not able to move, but of course <laughs> they move, they do move, they grow, you know, this is the yes. way they move. They, they, they move by growing and, and, and they have much more, uh, many more senses than we have. I mean, the plant is able not only to to feel to 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 um, to see because it's you know I mean is is of course is is reading the light and the light in the morning the light in the evening and so on so are able to perceive light and the, and Monica Galliano uh, she proved they are able to perceive sound and and so vibration of course you know there is a predator you know they feel it mm -hmm. you know talk. But they also are able to, to, to feel gravity. They are able to perceive nutrients. They've been able to perceive water. They, you know, I mean, you know, so they are, as organism, much more richer. You know, their perception is richer than ours. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason is why, okay, they are more <laughs> in the same place. They have to be aware of everything because they cannot run like an animal, you know. So, so... And so, and I, if a plant is able to, to feel all these things, you know, then I think that we should be also able somehow. Yes. Know, to, to, to feel without, uh, without going to supernatural categories, you know, or, wow. or fuzzy categories, you know. I think that, you know, we have the possibility uh, of, of a much richer perception. And perhaps these plants give us this possibility of better perception of the world well it certainly happened with me so um i'm going to share a couple of stories personal stories that you know happened that i don't think can be explained so easily by science although um it, it, there's certainly going to be an effort for that to happen so um my sleep patterns immediately started changing i'd wake up at around three in the morning on a regular basis still happens and you know, sometimes there's insights and, and you know, all kinds of um, dreams with messages and things like this. So I woke up in the middle of the night and it just so happens that night uh, my son was on my mind. He uh, is, you know, um, 10 years old now. This was a few years ago. Um, anyway, so there I am in communion with ayahuasca. I wake up and I realize that I just received some kind of insight. And I said, in my mind, I expressed, you know, this question about my son. I've got an issue with my son. How am I going to resolve it? I thought, let's work this and see if it can, <laughs> I can receive some insights specifically about this. And the response I got was, well, talk to him. And I thought, okay, well, three o'clock in the morning, he's down the hall asleep. And the response was like, no, talk to him like you're talking now. In your mind, reach out to him. And so I did in my mind, I reached out and said, you know, Evan and whatever. I don't even remember what the issue was. And I started to talk about it. And sure enough, like, a minute later, I hear the door open and he came down the hall and walked in my room 
And uh, suddenly I said out loud, oh my goodness, honey, what are you doing awake? And he said, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> and he climbed in bed with me and went right to sleep. And I forgot all about whatever it was that I was asking about because I was just so shocked. And we woke up in the morning and I reminded him about this and said, you know, what woke you up or whatever? And he didn't remember anything about it. He was pretty much sleepwalking. It was so, like a dream, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, to him it was like a dream, but you know, he yeah. responded immediately when I reached out in my mind and ayahuasca is constantly teaching me about the power of the mind and and how it relates to the reality that we're creating and the responsiveness due to our thoughts. So actually I have a friend um, who's a scientist and he's working with a private company who's going to, who's um, doing um, research on this and Evan and I are going to be part of um, an experiment. So we're going to we're going to see how much we can actually test that out <laughs> and how far we can go with it. But I wonder yeah. if, you know, from what I understand, this is actually going on all the time. I mean, us sensing things about one another, things that just go beyond our original, sorry, our original understanding of, of what's possible with communication. So that's why I asked about the boat. Yeah, but you know, it just suddenly, you know, your 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 son is sleeping. You know, he comes. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have, we, I, I said that we cut out, you know, the fairy time, you know, until you know we find out all these lies. But at the same time, we every night we go to to the mm -hmm. dream world. Yes. And in the dream world, many things happen. You know, and who is saying that it's not true? You know, absolutely. It, it happening, you know, so so I think that there is another channel. There is another, you know, way which is very difficult. You know, I mean, of course, for Western science, it, it will be ridiculous because we have not come to. Uh, well, I mean, there are, there are people uh, working on, on on dreams, but um, perhaps more on the the the, the, physio the physiology or of dreams or whatever, you know, but. But I don't know what are the philosophical possibilities or, you know, of these. But, you know, if we go back to history, dreams have been always been there. Mm -hmm. Always been there. You know, in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the, in the Quran, you know, there is always there. You know, the dream, you know, the dreaming is and the messages in the dreams and all that has been part of it and we we have now people like the uh, australian aboriginal we, for them the dream time is more even more important than this one this is just to sustain the mm -hmm. dream world it's more important which you know all these messages all this information is going on all this contact with other beings and so on so so uh, so what i think is that simply somehow our western civilization our western mind has diminished diminish us and, mm -hmm. and put us in, in a in a kind of of, of box, you know. Yes. And we think that we, and, and we think that we are really advanced because we have made so many <laughs> objects, you know. Right. We have made made so many toys, you know, and we are able to do like that. But in this game of creating objects, we have lost the subjects. Mm -hmm. you know? We have lost lost the the all these uh, living intelligent uh, all around us. Uh, especially when we are in nature, you know. Now yes. I'm in a flying Helsinki. Okay, I can see, by the way, I can see some trees through my window. But otherwise, I'm just surrounded by objects, you know. Yeah, um, there's a separation there. 
um, I think that there's great value in discovering all of these possibilities, though, because um, and it's it's a big shock when we go into the jungle and have these experiences. And for those of us who return to you know a very busy life in in the Western world, and trying to navigate that can be um, can be pretty you know challenging. But I think that as you've mentioned, another thing that I've been considering a great deal is this is part of our history, you know, part of humanity's history is it, it, we have a very rich history in all of these things. We've just forgotten or labeled them in such a way where, you know, it's just dis- distancing us from, from those things too, you know, such as folktales and, you know, early indigenous beliefs. We, we know about them. We know that they exist. The mythology, we still refer to all the time as you say it it shows up in our movies and we we still have a fascination with it but we we're not taking it as seriously and i think that ayahuasca gives us an opportunity to explore all of that it's true it's true yes and and to also remove some barriers because you know every society originally had these kinds of practices right i mean we all have this history not any of us we all come from animistic societies I mean, you know, uh, one of the things that I have been thinking a lot and now I begin to write about this is, you know, the contracts, contrast, a huge contrast between the Eurasian or the European, well, let's put it, you know, European in the Americas, when, when it was the, 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 the contract in 1492. Mm-hmm. And they, the two cultures came with completely different sets of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, of course, you know, the Western powers, Spain, Portugal, and then later France and England, they were all worshiping monotheistic gods, mm-hmm. one god. And on the other hand, you have in, in the Americas, the animistic uh, uh, cultures in which mm-hmm. we are surrounded by many, many different beings of all kinds, you know, so it is more plural. And, and, on the, and in agriculture, something similar. Because when the Europeans arrived to do the Americas, they took with them monocultures, monoculture, mm-hmm. and 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 then while the the in, indigenous people were having, you know, pluriculture, that you always have different plants. You know, you you grew at the same time uh, beans and corn and squash at the same time, and they were they were they were called the three sisters. You know, because mm-hmm. they you know each other help each other. You know, and right. and so on and so. So the biodiversity, diversity was very important in the Americas. And somehow, you know, the Europeans, they arrived to, to the Americas. They had more in, 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 in this mono, mono uh, cognitive uh, set, you know, monotheism mm-hmm. and monoculture. And because they already had lost it. Because yeah. it is not the Europeans were like this, you know, from the very beginning. No, no nothing happened in history. Maria Gimbutas, this fantastic Lithuanian folklorist and archaeologist, she said that Europe, uh, before the Indo-European uh, invasion, they were basically matriarchal um, uh, um, uh, cultures uh, um, who were cultivating, doing ceramics, doing mm-hmm. weaving, weaving, singing. You know, it was com- and, and no weapons and no. Um, no walls, you know, the defensive walls and so on. So they were basically, apparently, a, 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 a very peaceful societies, mm. you know? animistic societies right. as well. Yes. Animistic because, you know, 
the same. They worship the sun and the moon and the stars and the winds and the rivers and the lakes and the and the bear or the horse or you know it's you know etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like I think coming around again because even people who haven't you know um, gotten on board with ayahuasca, there's a lot of people just discovering shamanism and yes. which is this earliest you know practice of wellness and and connectedness and medicine and and all of this so and there's rich you know history of our relationship with animals and the meaning of animals and i wonder if we've kept it somehow in this deepest part of us and that's what you know gave birth to our yeah well and also look at how many people have pets you know and i mean yeah sure they're love and affectionate but i wonder if there's something deeper going on there too we need to maintain that relationship somehow you know I'm sure there's hints we, we all over the to, place. We need to recover animism. It is urgent to have to recover animism. Mm-hmm. I think that this is absolutely crucial because look what is happening. We have the sixth uh, uh, mass extinction. You know, 150 to 100 species are dying every day. Right. Every day. You know, and, and this is accelerating and so on. So we need to reconnect. With the, with, the, with the natural world. We need to reconnect with all these people, persons around us. Absolutely crucial. And, I agree. And, and the funny thing is that, you know, at the same time that we simply disregarded these other people, we created the corporations, our people. Look yes. at this contradiction. Suddenly, Coca-Cola and, Ma- and McDonald's, these are people. Yes, uh, entities, uh, yes. Entities <laughs> according to the law. According to the law. So we replaced the people of the natural world, and then we cre- recreated people, you know, is in the name of uh, corporations, which have no moral, no, the only thing is to grow, you know, is to yeah. make money. That's, that is the main thing, you know, there is no morality there is no you know etc you know so yeah it's it's very interesting it's a big reflection of of where we're at as a species ourselves i think and um earlier when you were talking about measuring you know and how we can measure this um and those two categories um you know nowhere in there do we mention love and, you know, love is a reality we've all known about from the very beginning, and no one really disputes it exists, and yet it's not measurable, not no. really, you know, you could put no. measurements on it, you could impose that, but I think we all get a sense that that's really not a thing yes. that belongs. How many centimeters is your love for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tend to do it, but I think we all know that that's not very healthy. And, and our relationship with the earth and with the world and around us, I think, has everything to do with our relationship with ourself. And that's why ayahuasca is really focused on that. Like, I think that we're going to come of age and do really well, uh, humanity, when we start to get a handle on having a better relationship with ourselves. The way that we're yeah. behaving with the world is suicidal, right? I mean, we, we're compromising the very things that we need to live. So that doesn't say much about our healthy relationship with ourselves. And so no wonder ayahuasca puts such great importance on that. Yeah, I, I remember with Dennis McKenna and Terence and uh, other friends many, many years ago, we, you know, discussing these kind of things, you know, and wondering what if ayahuasca, Yahé, San Pedro, <laughs> version of these are somehow they are built in mechanism in the biosphere 
and if somehow you know will remind us you know look where you are coming from you know uh, and so perhaps this is one of the of course it's very optimistic to say that but perhaps this is perhaps this is one of the the tasks that is happening or, or what is oh, happening yeah. with the sacred plans you know that somehow is like alarm you know you have forgotten sure. who you are wake up oh yeah you know absolutely you're just part of the whole you know you are not, not the top of of the pyramid etc you know yeah, I mean, I think that it's very deliberate that, that ayahuasca is making its way around the world. And I know that there's a lot of concern about um, the ways in which certain people are experiencing it or treating it and all the rest of it. But let's face it, if we were absolutely all very healthy in the way we went about everything, we wouldn't, you know, have this attachment to it. We wouldn't have this relationship with it. Um, it's, it's addressing those issues. It's helping us to grow up in that way. It's helping us become more because healthy at the same time we have to acknowledge also the dangers yes sure because, because for instance it is my experience i know very narcissistic personalities these are you know ayahuasca just make it worse you know yes the, suddenly you are the center of the universe and 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 then so and, and ayahuasca is giving me all these messages for all of you etc etc you know that's also very dangerous oh well yeah but you know it's not the first time we've seen this happen like this reminds me a lot of what happened with religion which is the reason why i was never attracted to religion and um, this was um, a very firm response from a very early age because i was put in catholic school catholic church catholic everything and from the age of seven i was just like this is not for me i know it but years later here i am experiencing ayahuasca and suddenly i can see how tempting that that was for people to come out of the experiences they had early on. I mean, who knows what experiences they really had, but I'm starting to find some familiar stuff. Like I can appreciate why, you know, what's behind these Christian lessons, some of them anyway, not all of them. I think there was a lot of um, political agenda that way, made its way into that whole experience. But the initial inspiring genuinely spiritual experiences, I can relate to that. And I understand why people come out and believe, you know, okay, everybody's got to stop doing this. Everybody's got to start doing that. You know, you're inspired and you're feeling um, that it's vital. You just got this vital message. You want to shout it from the rooftops. And a lot of us had to work our way through that. And, you know, um, a friend of mine called it the evangelistic you know, period, right after ayahuasca when you want to go and do all this. And then, and then you settle down and you stop preaching and you realize, oh, wow, that's how yeah, that yeah. happened. I, I get that now. I understand how that comes yeah. about. Not cool, but, you know, I get of course, it. it can, I mean, it's understandable on one way because then suddenly you see, oh, wow, this is the truth. This is the reality, you know, and then you want yeah. to tell it to everyone. I yeah. tell you know, just, just calm down. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> come down, you know, go through uh, the things yourself, talk to just friends, you know, but no, don't start to preach, you know, because, because we, it is, we, we are just learning. You yeah. Know, just all of us, we are just only learning. And, yeah. and, and, you know, so, yeah. And remaining in that state of learning, I think is the best possible state to, to be in. Just the continual openness to learning. Cause I mean, 
some of us are being asked to be very vocal. So I was really trepidatious about that because of those issues. Like I didn't want to become this preacher and I felt wildly uncomfortable with all that. And so then began the lessons about, about reality and about the fact that there's more than one and there's many and about that, you know, telling everybody what they should do is, you know, not a thing and not really appropriate given the fact that, you know, it's very real that we're all experiencing unique realities and there's room for all of that. And sharing my experience is fine. And it is good you because you are questioning other people. You're not preaching a second dogma. You're questioning. And in, in in, in that exchange, that is what makes it richer, you know, because then, you know, okay, you are talking to me now, but you're talking tomorrow to others and you have been talking to many others and you, and none of us have, you know, like the answer or the dogma or, but we all saw a little bit. You know, yeah. And, and I mean, to me, it's important to share and I've been very encouraged to do it. And so, so this has been a big question for me. So how can I do that in a way that's respectful and, and not preachy and, you know, and so this this issue of reality, what is real and how can I say, well, this is real and that's not kind of thing. And, and I'm, I, it keeps changing. Like my whole worldview has changed many times over since I was, and it continues to do so. So what I believe now in a year might be slightly different. I know that. I mean, is that something that you've experienced that it well, continues I mean, to kind of change? I, 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 in a way... I mean, the thing is that um, I do not think in so, in certain way all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it, it is the same way that you speak English, but you speak English differently when you are talking to a lot of people and you're talking to your children or your friends, etc. You know, yes. we all accommodate. You know, it's different. So we are all polyglots. You know, I I, I myself I am a real polyglot. I'm speaking to you in English, you know, but but I speak other languages. You know, my mother tongue mm-hmm. is Spanish. So mm-hmm. so but, so but uh, what I wanted to say is that okay, at the same time you you can have a mind that acknowledge you know the world of science objective. You know, although objective. I don't know if it always is, is, but yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the world of science, whatever statement you give, there will be others, other scientists <laughs> which will question that, you know. Right, you know, of course. In, in any, anything you go into, you will always have this, but then you have the others who say, Mm-mm, it is not like that, you know. So, so what is that, you know, so it's object, it's, it's, a, it's a search, you know, it's more a methodology, yeah. which is okay, very good, very good to have. But at the same time, you can be also open to many other things, you know. Sure. Many other ways. And I like to to have a more an a, a phenomenological approach. Reality is what I experience. If I I because because at the end, it you know the only way I can I can relate to that is if I experience I I, I think it is real. I mean, yeah. You know, if if I experience it, it doesn't matter if you can see it or not. If I have a dream, I had a dream. Yes, exactly. I cannot, I cannot share it with you, but I had a dream, and the dream is real. It's real because, as phenomenologically, I experience it. Yes. I saw these people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they are real. They, they are real in a different way. That this this thing that now I'm awake, I can touch. You know, we can agree that this is a computer or that is a tree, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But 
but still, you know, still, you know, it is a phenomenological because I don't know what you perceive exactly. Yes, or experienced, no. right. And this actually yeah, yeah. set me free in a way because it goes beyond, you know, uh, the preaching because it's just, hey, I experienced this. Like with when I get into spiritual discussions, it's not like, um, you should believe this or this must be real. It's just, this is what I experienced. So, exactly. you know, me questioning it is like me questioning my own sanity. And although I must admit there was a bit of a time when I did that, when I came back first, I started to just relax into it and saying, this is what I'm experiencing. And, and that's as far as it goes. And people, people can take it for whatever they like, because that's, you know, that's in many societies, the, the, in many societies, the crazy one has a very special, very important place in society. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> we're the only ones to lock them up. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It, it did open up a very interesting uh, discussion that I had with um, a psychiatrist and a psychologist on this show. Um, the whole voice thing, because I mean, there are a lot of people who hear voices, and they're not always uh, as pleasant, I don't think, as the one that I that I hear. Um, but apparently there's this whole revolution happening in that area where some people with their voices, instead of, um, you know, going the whole route of, I must be crazy because I hear voices, so I'm going to get cured or take pills to make them go away or whatever. I'm going to explore this, you know, and understand what's going on here, which I think is really fascinating. Yes. And it goes well beyond what we would traditionally, you know, I mean, so maybe we are returning. Probably the scientists are going to say, okay, record your voices. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I wish, I have to tell you, I really do wish. I wish that was possible because there's sometimes that I receive stuff that it just, it takes a lot of, you know, thought and digesting and all the rest of it. And I so wish I could share it, but as, as you probably know, and many of us who experience ayahuasca know, sometimes it's this download that it's, it's not even words necessarily. It's a whole concept that just lands in your mind and, and then you process. But yeah, you want to share it. You know, they're, they're so insightful. You, you definitely want to share. I wish I could share this voice. I wish I could record it. I really do. <laughs> but you know, the, the same people would say, oh, well, that's not true. What's that? Sorry. Most probably the machine will not work. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because very, very often these things are are incompatible in a way. You know. I mean, it is like uh, it has happened to me. You know, and some other friends. You know, that that when things really happen, you know, you, you are not able even to record. You know, you can hear it, and even two, three people can hear, but the the machine will either stop working or we not record it, you know, so. Yeah, kind of yeah, there's no translation onto the technology that we have. And yeah, maybe that's purposeful in itself. Maybe we just need to learn to trust and, and not rely on those things so heavily to decide what is real and what is important. Yeah, probably this belong to the, to the realm of res fantastica. You cannot measure it, but it's real. Yeah, just like love, you know, we we don't really doubt that too much. That's what I keep coming back to because, yeah, that's very real to to most people, and and we know not to measure it. But yeah. I do think that there's a, 
some very big changes going on. And I know that when a lot of us go out and talk about these things among people who have never experienced ayahuasca, that, you know, there's a, what I call a flake factor. <laughs> when you start to sound very flaky or, you know, um, not quite with it because, because of the things that we're talking about are just so far-fetched, um, you know, in the minds of people. Sorry? It's very difficult to talk about these things because these are experiences. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons I do the show because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, you know, who have had these experiences and actually people have told me this a lot, you know, then, and, and they're amazing and I had this lovely experience and then a year goes by and two years and I start to believe I didn't really have it and none of that really happened because, you know, they don't, follow up or do anything about it and and then suddenly they start to believe maybe it just wasn't like that maybe I just thought it was and then they hear a lot of people's stories that I've had on the show and it's like oh no you know that that's the thing um yeah, one, yeah. sorry go ahead it is easy to forget <laughs> it yeah. is and then because of whatever you know situation you're in whatever society you live in if it doesn't support all of that then of course you're going to doubt and eventually it'll go unless you um you know make an effort to keep it alive and to to pursue it and and it's everybody's choice of course but i believe it can be a very powerful thing to do that um one of the things i wanted to to talk to you about was something that i read in your article too about the crossover between the experience in ayahuasca and our physical world like I can't remember exactly what you experienced, but did it have to do with like um, uh, a container of water? You had to respond to an experience you were having in Iwasa with something physical in your world, and there was crossover between what you did physically and then what you uh, what you experienced through Iwasa. Do you remember that? I, I do not recall what I wrote. Oh, okay. It was many years ago. I don't recall exact words, you know, so that so, I, I would remember. Okay, well, the gist is something happened within your experience and you remedied it by doing something in the physical world. And when you did something in the physical world, your whole ayahuasca experience, you know, was responsive to that. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I had a, an experience, um, it just reminds me of an experience I had, and I guess it's the same situation, a little different, um, where it was the opposite. Uh, what happened, and it was with Iboga this time, so what happened was um, part of um, this exercise I was being taken through was you go through the house that you live in, and, um, and you're supposed to meet your ancestors and all the rest of it. And for me, it was very different. I just kept shooting down all these hallways of all these unbelievably, you know, huge amounts of different kinds of houses. And I was just flying. And it was a little disturbing. So I was telling um, uh, the facilitator, uh, hey, I'm going down all these hallways and, you know, things aren't happening for me the way they're, you know, the way this usually goes that I'm being pulled should go, right? And he says, okay, make sure you don't go through any doorways because that's dangerous. And so suddenly I'm even a little more freaked out, right? And I'm zipping down this highway, or sorry, this hallway in, in the Iboga experience, in my vision. And at the very end of it, there's an opening and I'm afraid it's a door. Um, and suddenly after he said, don't go through doors, the uh, vision changed so that there were shutters 
on either side of this opening to demonstrate to me it's not a door, it's a window, so it's okay to go through it. And then I once see, I, see, once, I yeah, so once I went through it, um, it, it was beautiful. I, I ended up in space and just feeling amazing and, you know, no more of that hurried, frantic, you know, um, trip through all these hallways of all these houses. But it was interesting how my vision responded to what, what this facilitator was saying. It was like that responsiveness was demonstrated. And I think that your story about whatever was happening to you in that experience that made you have to go and take something physical and respond to it, there was crossover between, you know, those two worlds that we see as being separate, you know? Yeah, well, one of the things that happens, and I was just reading today, a, a friend of mine, Jacques Mabi, who has a center in Peru, and he wrote an article about the voice of ayahuasca. And it, it is true, you know, very often you, you have these insights, they can be sentences or it begins insights, or suddenly it, come, suddenly it comes to you when you're interacting in that space, you, you say exactly what it should be said, you know, or you said, and the other person said, oh, I, w I knew that you were going to say that, or right. this kind of, you know, very, very, this is, this is very common, very, very common, very common with ayahuasca. It's, it's, uh, well, and with other plants, but of course my specialty has been ayahuasca for so many yeah. years. You know? So this is something that happens, you know, and, and I'm wondering if it's just showing us what's possible in our everyday lives um, that we just haven't been introduced to. Like uh, what you were saying as part of your article is that these, um, these tribes that were introduced at the earliest ages of their reality, which is that a person can, in fact, change into, you know, a, a tiger or a leopard or what have you. Um, you know, that belief system was born then for that person who was born into that tribe and for us you know suddenly through ayahuasca we're born into this possible reality where all these things are possible and, and you know it seems like um our mind our thoughts and and all those possibilities of, of our realities are, are much different than than what we believed before and i think that's a rebirth in and of itself you know just opening up to that the funny thing is that if you look uh, in some historical perspective, when we say our way of seeing, you know, our view, you know, what we think, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we are just talking about. Oh, I sure, years, of course. Three hundred years, uh, perhaps five hundred years, most, you know, uh, but that's it, you know. It it is a very a very short span of time in the history of humanity. It's true. Know? Yeah, yeah. And then we put it like, I like it. This is, you know. And well, I mean, it is just a way of, of seeing things, mm -hmm. and and I don't know where all this is going to take us either, you mm -hmm. know, because because okay, we are we are in crisis, you know, we are in, in huge crisis, and in a way, it is this way of of seeing things that have brought us to this situation. The desacralization de of nature makes you know makes us to think that nature is just resources. Resources for oh, yeah. etc. You know, so like their gifts, really. Um, I think that what I've gleaned from all this dialogue is that we're we're just going through growing pains. You know, <laughs> a lot of the best growth comes out of a painful, what we perceive as painful situations, and it feels like from what 
you know, this voice is trying to teach me is that anytime I despair about the world and its state or anything like that, this is what I'm reminded of is that, you know, we're just going through these growing pains and this is how we're bringing about the very changes that, that you wish for. And my, I came to the medicines because I went through a very deep depression. So I realized in retrospect that if I hadn't gone through that, I would never have been open, open to this. I was open out of desperation. You know, it, it forced me to, to look for, for something I didn't even know existed and I can't see it happening any other way. So maybe this is what's happening with us now as a species yes could be you know but it's going to be very very tough because it's not only for us as a species we are taking with us millions of other species you know that yeah species, you know? I, well i think that... ourselves, you know we are taking you know the whole planet with us you know and and that is the that is the tricky thing you know it is not simply us you know we, we are just sinking the whole well, no. I think I think that the the plants themselves are starting to see that we're not just us. You know, we are, you know, the planet and that, you know, we're inextricably tied and you know, that's why we all have to work together and I think that we have a better chance because of this, because of the ayahuasca experience. And yeah. I think everybody is starting to sense that there's something bigger going on here than just me solving my depression problem or that person addressing their PTSD. I think we all can sense that there's bigger change underway. Yes. Well, I mean, the whole planet. Yeah. <laughs> in such a situation. Now the reports are coming every day. Today they, it came, you know, you know, that perhaps we are going to face in, in 20, 30 years, several meters of, 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 of raising seas, you know, that yeah. means, wow. It means, you know, collapse of cities all over around the world and so on and and mass migration and and what well, I mean, you know, I mean yeah. we are you know, we are still in the early stages of a terminal disease, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I think that I think that we can see that as being transformation too. I mean it's it's not it's not easy. Any kind of, you know, transformation tends to come with some awkward you know, parts and awkward is a very mild world word for what's going on. But I think that if we see it like that, if we see it as an opportunity for change or as growing pains, you know, there are have possibilities read, there. Have you read Chicasta uh, by Doris uh, Lessing? No, I haven't. It's very, it's a science fiction book. I read it when I was doing one of my diets. I was in the Amazon and I, I was supposed to be completely alone and I was alone in my hammock and just observing nature and I had one just one book and it was this you know and it is a very interesting you know in which there is a catastrophe the wars you know uh, you know with the three powers Russia and China US you know and mutual obliteration and then there are these pockets of people who are survive and who are beginning to find rituals again and yeah and make and sing and you know a new face you know a new face uh, but of yeah. course there's all kinds of examples <laughs> of this in nature we are going to be one of those yeah well, um, I think we're coming to the end of our time. So I'm going to thank you so much for joining me today. It was a lovely discussion. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. 
Okay, thank you. Yes, it was. And fun. for anybody who wants to reach you, did you want to share your your website? Okay, I have a, a little institution in southern Brazil with my wife. We organize two, three seminars per year only, just for 10, 11 participants. And we invite very interesting people, you know, from top scientists and biologists and everything. And our website is www.wasiwaska, W-A-S-I-W-A-S-K-A.org. Wasiwaska, which is in Quechua, Wasi in Quechua means house, and Wasca is vine, so the house of the vine. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, you know, so if any to have a look, you know, we have a fantastic people in our advisory board, and, uh, and uh, well, we have had, I mean, we have Rupert Sheldrake, we have uh, Bernard, Bernard um, Carr, the multi-universe person, Dennis McKenna, Jeremy Narby, Monica Galliano, and many other, many other uh, scientists and artists. Uh, Alex Ray, he was with us one day, and, and so on. So if anybody is interested, just have a look there. Uh, but as I said, it's just two, three seminars per year, so we are talking about 30 people per year. So that's not, not many, you know, so it's just... Uh, if any of you would be interested. You know. That's nice. Yeah, definitely check it out. And um, uh, are you on Facebook? Uh, yes, Luis Eduardo Luna, but I very seldom look at it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not into so much media, you know. Okay. Uh, you know. But anyway, uh, yeah, my yes. But but you know the thing is that I don't say yes to friends until unless I know them really. Or, okay. You know, because, because, well, because, what we'll do is... When we post this show, I can I can put your website so that people will know where to get in touch with you if they if they want to check out um, okay, okay. those opportunities. Okay. And um, if anyone wants to reach me, it's rebeccahayden.com is my website, and my email is rebecca.hayden at gmail.com. And yeah, like our Facebook and check it out. And um, there's going to be information coming up on my website about. Um, uh, mindful hypnosis services that I'm now offering and that help with integration and and yeah to open up those beliefs like uh, like we were talking about and help change our reality for the better. So thanks again and uh, okay, we'll be in Thank touch. Thank you very much for the for this opportunity and greetings from Finland. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. bye, -bye.